Hello, everyone. Um, today I'll be giving you the summary of the Revelation class that we went through on September 25th. The passage of Scripture that we looked at that night was Revelation chapter 12. Um, to kind of set that up a little bit, at the end of chapter 11, we once again find ourselves, as we said, Revelation is cyclical, and we find ourselves once again at the end of the world. Um, and a very real question is brought about that is answered by Revelation 12. And a question that gets asked quite often um, to Christians is this, is, if Christ is sovereign, why does the church suffer and why is the world so dark? Um, we get the answer to that uh, in chapters 12 through 14. And the main answer to that is this. There is an unseen, very real enemy of the promises of God um, at work in our world. And that's what we will take a look at today in Revelation chapter 12. Now, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity um, where you can pause this and just read Revelation. I encourage you to read Revelation chapter 12. We're just going to break down uh, the verses into sections, and it will be very beneficial for you to read through that. So I'll give you an opportunity to do that here for a moment. Okay, we're back. Um, Revelation 12, now you should know, is about a woman and about a dragon. And probably the, the biggest question about this passage of Scripture through the centuries has been, who is this woman? Well, there's six different options that are mainly out there of who this woman um, could be. So let's go through those to begin with. Um, who is this woman found in Revelation, introduced in Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2? First, uh, the first opinion out there is um, this woman is the mother of Jesus. And um, the second opinion is this woman is the church. Um, that one's kind of tough because uh, how does this church give birth to the child? And it's pretty obvious that this child is Jesus. So that's kind of a tough one. Um, number number three um, option, opinion, would be Eve. Um, and in Genesis chapter 3.15, Eve is given a promise by God that her seed, her descendant, would crush the head of the serpent, crush the head of Satan. So um, maybe perhaps this is Eve um, and the fulfillment of that promise to her. All right, fourth option is Israel. And um, now this isn't just, uh, this option is not just physical Israel, the people Israel, but more the spiritual um, fulfillment of Israel, which would expand to include uh, the church. So uh, then option number five might be Jerusalem, which is actually quite similar to option number four. It could almost be instead of option five, um, 4A almost. And then as the last option um, and opinion is, is the woman is simply a literary device used by John displaying the people of God as a goddess. Now, in studying for this particular session, um, I, I look to the material of, of Robert Mounts once again, as well as um, an essay written by Mark Scott. And interestingly enough, the two options that these guys use, um, Robert Mounts kind of falls in the camp of option number four, this being Israel, um, the spiritual Israel. In other words, that kind of is the church. The woman represents the church. Um, uh I need to be careful about saying that. It's more than church. It's it's the people of God. 
um, the new the new Israel, um, the spiritual Israel. Now, Mark Scott falls more into option and opinion number three that um, this woman is Eve, um, and Eve is the one who's been given this promise of of her descendant crushing the head of Satan. Now, he, the way he comes about this is Eve is a representation of that promise. Much like Hagar and Sarah are used by the Apostle Paul as representatives of promises or covenants that were given to them by God. Uh, so, that being said, that's kind of the, the frame of reference we'll come from as we work our way through the rest of this chapter. Um, verses 3 and 4, we get the introduction of the dragon. Now, there is no question about who the dragon is. Verse 9 makes it abundantly clear that the dragon is Satan. The dragon is the devil. Um, there are those who kind of tried to throw out the option that this was Herod the Great, um, because Herod is the one who tried to have Jesus killed when he was a small child, um, and the result of that was the massacre in Bethlehem of, of the murder of several young boys um, in that town. But to be honest with you, this dragon is much bigger than Herod. Herod is pretty, pretty much small potatoes, and um, the dragon is much bigger than that. Uh, so, uh, we get we get the dragon, verses 3 and 4. Um, in verses 5 and 6, um, the dragon tries to do his thing and go to work and destroy the child. Um, and God's promises are upheld. The child is not destroyed by the dragon. As a matter of fact, the, the child grows into a man that will rule with an iron scepter. The interesting thing about his rule, um, his rule is, is probably better defined as his shepherding. He would shepherd his people. The iron scepter represents royalty, his place of authority and power. Um, the shepherd end of his rule represents the way in which the Lord Jesus does rule his people. He does it as a shepherd. He loves and he cares for them. And the interesting, the powerful paradox of scripture that Jesus is both the shepherd and the sacrificial lamb. Um, that is the amazing thing. And through Jesus, the promises of God are upheld. Um, and what we see then in, in verses 7 through 12 is the battle in heaven. Um, the war takes place here. And, and our Western thought is dominated, but the way we think of things is dominated by time. We are, we are so... Um, so structured by time. Well, Eastern thought is dominated not so much by time, but by the event itself. Therefore, we, with our Western thinking, we want to know when this battle takes place. Did this battle that took place in heaven between this, between the, the, the dragon and between Michael, um, the, the captain of the army of hosts of God, um, when does this happen? Does this happen before Genesis 1? Does it happen after the dragon's failed attempt um, to destroy the child? Um, does this happen during Jesus' ministry? Does this happen um, at the cross? Is that when this battle takes place? Uh, John, it's almost like he wants us wondering with our frame of thinking. Um, but we know that there is a tension between good and evil, 
Um, that is obvious in this world, but John goes directly to the result. And the result is this. The dragon is overthrown overwhelmingly and, and tossed out of heaven, thrown from heaven. Um, and then when we get after the war in verses 7 through 9, we get, uh, we get the celebration of that in the song in verses 10 through 12. The accuser is finished. Um, now, something that's kind of ominous about this song is verse 12. Uh, the dragon is finished, is defeated, but not destroyed. Uh, the dragon is hurled to earth. I guess where earth is, that's where we are, okay? So the, the, the Satan is thrown to earth where he does still have some level of power. Um, and in the last verses, verses 13 through 17, we see our, our, our author John alternating here. In verse 13, 15, and 17, we see the attacks of the dragon. Um, we want to know when and where these attacks takes place. Well, the text simply does not tell us. And then in verses 14 and 16, what we see is the safety, the security provided for the woman. Um, it is an incredible, incredibly powerful image that is painted by John of these attacks and then the safety provided for the woman. It, the, the picture of that, we see that she's been given wings um, to, to fly to safety. Um, there is some Old Testament imagery there. Isaiah 40, 31 talks about the wings with which um, those who rely upon the Lord and trust in the Lord that they are given in difficult times. Exodus 19, 4, uh, that, is, that is Moses talking about God giving wings to the people of Israel to, to give them uh, a path of safety away from Egypt. So there is quite a dramatic picture painted here of the attacks of Satan, but his attack are not ultimately victorious um, because of the security provided, the ultimate security provided by God for his people in the world to come. You see, um, in conclusion, Revelation 12 is the apocalyptic fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. Um, look that up and read it. God's promise to the accuser, to Satan, as well as his promise to Eve, that Satan would be crushed by her descendant. And that descendant is none but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, um, incredible story painted in Revelation 12, and uh, that is a, a powerful thing for us to, um, to rely upon and find security in. Now, tomorrow night... We will be back into Revelation again on Wednesday night, and what we will be looking at is, um, I believe that's October 2nd, and what we will be looking at is the number 666. What does that mean? What does that represent? It's going to be a little technical, but it was made very clear by the class last week that they want to dive into that. So that's what we'll take a look at. We hope you can join us. Thank you for listening.